0: Welcome, everybody. U.S. Grace Force Podcast. I'm Doug Barry, along with my very good friend Father Richard Heilman and Gracie. Hey, Gracie, <laughs> she, wanted, she wanted, some attention. Yeah. So, our, our, our great guest tonight. Um, somehow, Father will
1: going <laughs> to lead us in yeah, prayer. somehow. Legion prayer. <laughs> <With> Gracie, there. <laughs> well, we got grace all over us right now. There man. you go. <laughs> Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Saint Michael, the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the heavenly hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Awesome.
0: Okay, everybody, before we get started here and introduce our great guest tonight. I just want to, again, thank everybody who's been supporting our work, supporting what we do with the U.S. Grace Force podcast. Your prayers, your support, your comments, tremendously helpful. Please keep them coming. Let us know your thoughts and uh, just, just how it's helping. We want to constantly tweak this podcast and, and make it as, uh, as effective and, and serve you in the best way we can. So we thank you for all that. We want to thank those especially who are the patrons out there. Your Patreon members have been a tremendous source of help, especially right now with everything getting so much more difficult in different ways. Your financial support is incredible. So we pray for you regularly. Um, I pray for you all my daily rosary. Please uh, know that we are very humbled by your your support. If anybody's interested in becoming a patron, click the link below in the description and go on out. We ask you to pray about it and ask if you feel the Holy Spirit's inspiring you to help us out with a few dollars or more per month and help us continue to keep this podcast growing. You know, tonight we've got a great guest, and uh, we've had him on many times before. And I'm going to let Father, I'm going to let you introduce him. But uh, this is a man who uh, can articulate very well. The situation that we're in right now, as anybody can see in the box below, the conspiring of the malicious. We know things are happening right now at the time we record this. Uh, we are we are going through an amazingly breakneck speed assault on so many things, freedom, constitutional rights, our church, freedom of worship, the whole nine yards. So we're going to get into that tonight. So, Father, I pass this on to you and let you introduce our guest tonight.
1: Uh, happy to. Yeah, Michael is the president of the LePanto Institute, and I've known you for a few years now, Michael. And you're a warrior, and what what you do, um, you know, it, inspiring messages for sure. But uh, you're kind you're kind of a uh, detective in a lot of ways. I see where you where you find out, um, you know, things that uh, uh, are, uh, you know, w- ways in which evil is conspiring, whether it's in the church or in the culture and just been very impressed with your work over the years and we're very excited to have you here tonight uh, to help us really unpack what's going on in the culture right now. We were talking Michael before um, we started tonight and you had just shared uh, an amazing newsletter and I asked you if you wouldn't mind just reading it because it's very very powerful and it gets to exactly what we're dealing with right now. Is that something you'd be willing to do,
2: Michael? Absolutely, yeah. I think sure, could happy start to Start out it. that way. Sure. So this newsletter went out Friday, and incidentally, if anybody'd like to sign up for our newsletter, they can go to our website LepantoIN.org and sign up. Um, the uh, what I wrote was simply this, and this was after the events of last week, the storming of the Capitol building, and all that kind of stuff. Right. I said. My friends, the events of the last few weeks culminating in, uh, in the accomplishment of the theft of the presidency and other branches of our government just a few short days ago have left many of the faithful in a state of confusion, anger, disenfranchisement, and despair. We faithful Catholic Americans who have been praying incessantly for deliverance from the enemies of the cross of Christ who are ascendly, ascending a worldly throne gleeful in their intent to suppress oppress and persecute the children of light are now witness to the Calvary of this nation. This theft was begun by forces operating under the cover of darkness and was completed by the betrayal of those who once professed themselves to be allies of truth and justice. Every age must endure a passion and death, which precedes a glorious resurrection for the first time in our world's history. The theft and betrayal we see before us began with theft and betrayal of the church. For decades, dark forces have been stealing from the church's coffers, both material and spiritual. Hundreds of thousands of prayers and supplications for deliverance for the time of our suffering, which is fast upon us, have not fallen on deaf ears. We have received our answer. It is an answer that we don't want but must accept, stay awake and watch. We have before us a very difficult time, just as people in some areas must watch helplessly as a severe storm or warring armies rapidly approach. We see it coming. We know it is coming. We don't want it, but here it is. As the very great venerable Archbishop Fulton Sheen said so often, evil will have its hour but God will have his day. As I was looking for some inspiration for writing today's newsletter, I listened to a sermon he gave on the resurrection. What he said in the first half of it, I believe speaks well to what we are now facing and gives clear direction for us as how we, sh- how we are to respond. There was a line in this sermon which caused me to sit up straight and pause for a bit. He said, God hates peace in those who are destined for war. He said this in the, context, in the context of the beatitude, blessed are the peacemakers. Here's what he said. Our blessed Lord never said, blessed are the peaceful, but he did say, blessed are the peacemakers. Peace must be merited. It must be won in battle. Good Friday was not a day of appeasement. Therefore, Easter was not a day of false peace. While much of this is directed at the interior all of us struggle against as we make war against the temptations of the flesh, Sheen also makes clear that victory is only ever achieved through battle. Whether it is battle against soldiers, battle against temptation, battle against falsehoods, or battle against the devil itself, unless we take up the standard and fight, there will be no victory to be had. The events of the past week were not a resounding defeat, but a call to fight. Feckless and weak politicians in Congress refused to stand their ground to expose the fetid rot of this stolen election for what it was. So they've thrown their hands up in defeat. But just because they've thrown up their hands in defeat, it does not mean that we must follow suit. The war to come will be a war against innocent preborn children. It will be against our beloved church. It will be against the very ability for us to hold and to practice our faith in public. Our lady did not deliver the soldiers at Lepanto from the battle coming to them, but she provided them victory through the battle itself. The war was not ended this past week. It has only just begun. And while we prayed incessantly over the past several months for victory, Our Lady has heard our prayer and has answered. Not only will victory come to those who fight, but the war is now upon us. This is not the time to hang our heads in fear and confusion, but to rise up with our weapons in hand, the rosary prepared to meet the enemy in the field of battle and look forward to the promised victory. She said would come when she said in the end, my immaculate heart will triumph. And then at the end of this newsletter, I produce uh, Fulton Sheen's entire um, sermon, but then I ended with the words of Judas Maccabeus. The success of war is not in the multitude of the army, but strength cometh from heaven. They come against us with an insolent multitude and with pride to destroy us and our wives and our children and to take our spoils. But we will fight for our lives and our laws and the Lord himself will overthrow them before our face. But as for you, fear them not.
1: You know what I'm thinking right there, Doug, you and I have been talking about this too, is David, you know, I... I, you know, that scene where you know, this Philistines and this giant is coming at them, and they're like, we're done, you know. And David appears, he's a little teenage snot known kid, <laughs> and he says, what's up with you people? Right. Yeah? What's up with you people? We have the power of God on our side, right? Yeah. And that's yeah. what I thought of when you were reading that. Very powerful. Thank you for sharing that, Michael. But we are at war, aren't we? We absolutely are. Yeah, and and of course we're talking about spiritual warfare here because everybody is uh, all sensitive right now, and and I think that you know what happened at the Capitol. Everybody wants to establish it was bad, it was wrong, and and frankly, I think it was stupid. Okay, but because it gave uh, the other side a card to play, you know, a way and a way in which they have we got you now. You know, I think of the the. Uh, Scripture passage, they look for something to accuse him of, Jesus Christ, right? And so, and they found, they found it here, is at least what they say. But it's, uh, and everybody, of course, rushes to, all summer long, we watched our streets burn. I mean, our, our, the stores in Madison are still boarded up to this day. Uh, shops are closed. People are living in fear because of these uh, domestic terrorists who have been at us for months and months and months. Uh, and, the, and, and, and what did, they, what did the, their side do? They named streets after them, okay? Uh, it, they glorified them, they, they painted them as heroes. They were inciting them to do this. And, and then we, there's a Trump rally and it says, okay, march. And frankly, everybody marches to the Capitol. March for life, they march to the Capitol, right? Uh, that's what you do when you protest. No one in, in, in the president said, you know, now peacefully, you know, head to the head to the Capitol. And that's and but they want to paint this as he incited them. You know, and I don't know what you guys are thinking about you know, that whole situation where, you know, he's accused of inciting him and now we got to impeach him um where are you guys at with that well it's
2: it's it's absolutely ridiculous i mean wasn't it chris cuomo that said oh i didn't know that pre- I, I don't know of any protest that's supposed to be peaceful or or right. uh or what do you say polite i, I mean yeah, unless you although, go to
1: a trump rally right. all the way up until this incident
2: right uh, absolutely now I, like you yes it was a stupid thing for them to do yeah it was absolutely stupid but these same people Made every excuse in the book for all of the uh, the liberal po- um, uh, protesters that were pounding on the door of the Supreme Court when Justice Kavanaugh was being right. uh, being instilled. Right. And and what did they do? Nothing. They they said these people are angry and they have a right to be angry.
0: Yeah, and I was actually there. I was standing in front of those doors because, um, mm. Father, if you remember, this was right when we had one of the rosary coast to coast events. And so we were there. So I went out the day was the day before I think it was. And I went into the crowd and just hearing them, the things that they were saying. uh, One woman said, uh, one of the speakers, I forget who she was. She said, you know, this isn't mama bear coming out, you know, for to defend our reproductive rights. This is mama dragon. That's what she referred to herself as. And then when they went to the doors of the Supreme Court, I mean, they're at the Capitol. I went up with my camera just off to the side, and you're absolutely right. I was 15, 20 feet just to the side of it, and they were pounding on those doors. They were trying to get in. They were livid over this. And you're right. There was no call of, you know, look at the terrible uh, insurrection that's taking place right now. Um, you know, I, I echo what you both said. This is never what you want, and it's never a good move. Um, I don't buy entirely that it wasn't motivated or inspired or that there weren't Antifa or or BLM agitators in the crowd somewhere. I, I, I think that's very likely, very possible. In fact, there have been some reports that that's the case. Okay, verified or not, regardless, if anybody who's a true Trump or, uh, supporter followed along, it was it was, it was was a dumb thing to do. There are videos out there of Trump supporters pulling people off the building who were trying to smash windows. They were trying to pull them back saying don't wreck yep. the place, don't break the place up. Okay, that's on camera. I've seen some of those videos. And of course, we have the question about why um, was the capital security not tighter on a day where you had a quarter million or more people outside and inside you had the certification of electoral votes going on why would you well, not they have let them in yeah in fact the videos of the capitol police stepping to the side moving barricades in fact you're right letting them in so i mean there's too many questions out there just to paint blanket paint this but what really bothers me is when we see you know call them so-called faithful catholics out there and other christian denominations just hating on trump and all the supporters yep. jumping on the bandwagon here when we know how the left operates, they they, they they mess things up, they 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 plant things, they we saw this all summer long. And you're right. You know, Cuomo said this, you had Maxine Waters saying very public statement. You see anybody from a Trump cabinet, you get in their face in a gas station, a restaurant, you push back, you make noise, you tell them they're not welcome here or anywhere ever again. I mean, these types of statements have come from many. Kamala Harris said this, that these, these protests should continue. And they, I hope Mm -hmm. they do. That was, she said that back in the summer. So we have all this documentation on camera recorded from them saying all this. So We know because of all of that, the hypocrisy and double standard is as clear as a bell. It's clear as the clouds behind me right now on my my screensaver. So we've got obvious, obvious evidence that this is completely upside down. Now, that being said, Michael, you were there. I know you because you posted uh, uh, that day as all this was unfolding. What can you tell us about what you saw before and and after this
2: all unfolding? So my my thirteen year old son and I went to uh, D.C. We took a bus in. There was no way I was going to drive into D.C., mm-hmm. especially on a day like that. And um, we so we took the bus in, and everybody on the bus they were they were prayerful. They were excited to be there. They were expi- excited to support the president and to uh, you know to to give a a voice to fight this. Let, let's call it theft because it was a theft. Right, uh, the theft of our election. And um, we got there and the crowd was huge already. We, we walked over the hill uh, past the, uh, the Washington Monument and down into the Ellipse area. And it was just a sea of, of people and they were all waving American flags and they were singing, you know, God bless America. It was it was a very, uh, I, I would say almost kind of a, a somber but friendly neighborhood event. You know, you felt like you were hanging out with, your neighbors you felt like you were hanging out with people that you'd known for years you're you just wander into the crowd and you know somebody dropped something and five people say oh oh ma'am you dropped something you know what you get that you know it, but everybody was looking out for everybody else if somebody was cold they were offering them you know their their coat or you know, it, it was just everybody was there for everybody else it was a it, it truly was uh, a, a witness to the neighbor and so then uh, we waited and waited and waited for Trump to come out because Trump loves to be late. Um, and finally, we saw the limos pull up and everybody got all excited and and uh, Trump got to the stage and then the whole crowd erupted and uh, Trump started speaking. And, you know, they want to talk about how his speech, it, it incited violence. Nobody was violent. Nobody was was uh, saying, yeah, let's go get him. There, there was nothing like that. It was... Uh, a bunch of people going, you know, they were cheering at the, the appropriate points of the uh, speech, but it was nothing that he hadn't been saying already. It, everything that he said, you know, we we got more votes than any uh, president in history, and we got uh, more votes than we did last year. And it's everything that he said was uh, everything that you'd heard from President Trump for the last year. Um, so, We're watching his speech, and everything seems normal. There doesn't seem to be any kind of indication that anybody's going to do anything crazy. And uh, at about, oh, I guess this was around 1 o'clock, some friends of mine were from out of town, and and they said, hey, we're going to go grab some lunch. Do you want to come? Uh, get lunch with us, and I said, "Yeah, sure. Let me meet you." And so we walked several blocks up, and and we sat down to lunch. And the next thing I know, my phone starts blowing up, and I'm getting text messages from my mom, going, "Is everything okay?" And I said, "What are you talking about?" She said, "There are reports that there were explosions." I said, "There weren't any explosions. Never heard any explosions." Um, and then uh, as it turns out, there it, it could have been a car backfiring. But the next thing you know, everybody's saying, "Oh, there were bombs. There were bombs going off. There were no bombs." No bombs. Um, And then she said, oh, they're storming the the Capitol building. They're storming the building. I said, really? And then all these cop cars go screaming down the road. And my friends and I are going, what on earth is going on? So we're texting with people that are there on the scene. And they're telling us, yeah, there's a group, but it's not really that big a group. I mean, a lot of people were let in, uh, so they're surrounding the Capitol building, but they're not in the building. And then a handful of people did get inside the building. Um, but it was, it was kind of surreal and we're sitting there just kind of listening to this going, uh, this, this isn't, this doesn't make sense. Something here just doesn't make sense because this is not the attitude of the crowd that we were with. And what's more is, uh, Trump's speech hadn't even finished yet when I, when I walked off to get lunch. So I walked away to go get lunch. Most of the people that were at the uh, speech were still at the speech. Nobody was leaving. So who were the people at the Capitol building? That's what I'm trying to figure out. It's a good walk from, from the ellipse to the Capitol building. It would have taken them, I think a good half an hour to walk there. So at the time that everything was happening, somebody had to have already been there, but it wasn't. people that were listening to trump so they can't pin this on trump trump wasn't inciting anybody to violence and the people that were there that were perpetrating the uh the the pushing to try and get into the capitol building they weren't listening to the speech because it was still going on
1: is that right absolutely yeah it was because it was um presented like that whole huge crowd just Marched all no. of them to the Capitol, but you're saying that's not what happened.
2: No, that's not what happened. They oh. they made their way over there later after Trump finished speaking, but it wasn't something that it was, was going. After the on. fact, yeah, it was after the fact. But by then, they'd already started pushing t- to get into the Capitol building.
1: You know yeah. what? My my theory on why there wasn't more police president presence there is simply because look at all the previous Trump rallies. I right. mean and, they're, and they're, they're, they're law enforcement supporters. You know, we, we, we put together a march in downtown Madison shortly after the protests uh, had fired up there. And we ended up with 3000 people there. And that's oh. a big crowd. And the police were there to, you know, uh, section off the streets, you know, the traffic and that, so we could walk down states, or up state or upstate street to the state Capitol. Anyway, there we were 3000 people and the police were just standing there and, you know, no big deal. And, and I actually walked over to one police car while we were there. He was, you know, stopping traffic so we could march. And I went up to his window. I said, you know, all 3,000 of these people love you, you know. And he said, he said, I know. And it, it, you could almost sense that he was going to choke back tears because they had just gone through the worst living hell uh, of being uh, uh, vilified by the press, by left-wing politicians mm-hmm. you know, that they're the worst scum in the world. And we needed to fund them, you know, all this stuff. And, and we saw a lot of police officers, you know, they retired, uh, who lost a lot of uh, police officers during that time because well, one, they weren't being backed up by um, those who were in charge, you know, they, you know, they were, le- they were letting these riots, these domestic terrorists go. And, uh, and the police were told to stand down. They're getting up in police faces. You know How about all those, all those scenes about you know, pouring water over policemen's heads? Mm-hmm. And they just let them do it. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, so I, that's my theory, is that the, the lack of police presence was because, come on, they're patriots. The, most of them are devout Christians. I, I think that's why they made that decision. They didn't think they were going to do that. Um, yeah,
0: now, Mother, if I, if I can jump in on this one, because you you have um, someone that you had spoken to, I don't know if you wanted to bring this up. Yeah, someone, I did. Yeah, and, and he and he was there, yep. and he said he saw agitators who who yep. expressly tried to try to rile up the crowd. Yeah,
1: yeah. We tried to get him on the podcast too, but um, his wife wouldn't let him.
2: No oh, boy, because
1: everybody's living in fear right now, and they yeah. don't uh, they don't want to get attacked. But anyway. Um, Part of what he shared with me was he was right up front. If you remember those scenes where there's scaffolding and some people are climbing up that scaffolding, but it was right there in front of the Capitol building. He was right in front Mm. and he was with his friend. These are people from my area here in Wisconsin. And they went on a bus out there and it's like what you talked about, Michael, the whole way out on this bus, they're singing, you know, the the national anthem and they're, they're, they're praying and, and just, it was, the, the, the spirit was so high uh, as they're traveling out there together on this bus. Uh, but but him and his friend um, were, uh, were there and right up front. So they had a, a perfect view of how this transpired. And I found it interesting that he said, there was a group and yes, they were in Trump attire, but we all had a sense that these aren't our people. And, uh, and they, they, just, uh, they, they behave differently than typical Trump people do. And so he was, he was alluding, you know, this is probably Antifa and we saw all the reports. I don't think it's even conspiracy theory. I think it's fact that busloads of Antifa people went out and they determined that they were going to dress like Trump supporters. Well, there why would
2: you Indicating that? that they were going to do that. So, yeah. Right.
1: right. And, and, uh. And so, but why would you do that? So that you could get in the crowd and turn and start, you know, fist fighting with them. What would be the purpose of dressing like Trump supporters mm-hmm. except to do exactly what they did? Right. Is to make Trump supporters look bad. Okay. And he said that, that, that there was, I can't remember if it was one or more, but he, he said they were up front of this crowd before they stormed the Capitol. And he was doing what he called a Braveheart speech. That's the way he framed mm-hmm. it. Is a brave heart speech. But in other words, the guy's up there saying, okay, this is our time. You know, we're going in, uh, you know, and he got everybody riled up so much so that his buddy that he's with, and he's from our area said, okay, we're going to go. And and he had to tell him, no, no, you're, we're not going. Right. You know? he, so in other words, this guy that's, that's telling me the story, kept his wits and knew what was going on and had to talk his buddy out, you know, and this, his buddy is a church going, you know, nice guy. So, in other words, they got them all riled up. Okay. Yeah. And these are pro- pro- professional insurrectionists. You know, they, they.
2: Well, that's what community organizers do.
1: Right. And that's, so that's he, what they
2: do he for a, a living.
1: But here's the other thing that he shared as well. He was talking with someone later from Minnesota. They were there the day before. And they said they watched this same group that was riling the crowd up getting uh, like a tour. From security, to show mm-hmm. them p- different parts of entrances to the to the capital, to sh- give them the layout of the land the day before all this happened, and it was the same group that was up front giving an old braveheart speech.
2: So I posted this on on January seventh on on my Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's a screen capture from a tweet by Congresswoman Cori Bush. And she said, I believe the Republican members of Congress who have incited this domestic terror attack through their attempts to overturn the election must face consequences. They have broken their sacred oath of office. I will be introducing a resolution calling for their expulsion. Now, she called this a domestic terror attack, which took place on January the 6th. But when she posted this, the draft Of her resolution is dated January the 5th. So my question is, um, how did she know that there was going to be a domestic terror attack?
1: Right.
0: Yeah. I saw when you posted that, which I thought was a great point. I I copied, shared that one too. It it is, you know, these things that are lining up the way they are and they have been for quite some time now um, are again, it's clear that there's something that's just not adding up here it, it's like so much of the so-called science regarding the virus careful of my choice of words for algorithm's sake that's out there that you know again is just is just all over the place when it comes to this but what the left has done repeatedly is you know support even raise bail money for the people yep. that, right. that burn cities down name streets after them Name streets right. after them. Absolutely, you know? Um, and one thing that I have to comment on is, two things that come to my mind after everything you, you both of you had just said. Number one, I wanna caution everybody out there who has kind of made their their mind up on this and decided that they know these are Trump supporters, they know that it's bad, that it's evil. You're talking, I mean, Michael, you made a really good point. You were there and yet you were in another location. You're getting uh, messages from people, you're hearing sirens, you know, and then father, you tell the story of, of a guy and a couple others who were in a different area. This was a massive rally covering a lot of space. Someone who's sitting back here, okay, in armchair world playing quarterback saying, because of this report and that report and that politician who said this or that, I'm making the decision. I know that the Trump supporters are all bad. You know, Really, the picture that's painted here is a handful got out of hand, possibly, and it looks like, instigated by professionals who are antagonists. We've seen this throughout the summer, spring and summer. We know they do this. So let's all just take a deep breath and realize that there's a lot of corruption going on on the left side there. And let's do not let, let this, this, uh, this Trump hate that so many people are just seething with dominate the situation here. Second is this. And this is something I I, I was really agitated by just hearing some of the newscasters out there talk about the quote-unquote hollowed ground of the Capitol building and how devastating it was that this happened to the Capitol building because they have good memories of this hollowed ground, these hollowed halls of the Capitol building. If I'm a business owner in Minneapolis and my business has been burned to the ground and you're talking about the hollowed halls of a building that had some windows broken Bad? Yes. Any kind of anilism, bad. But my business has been burned down. My police have been defunded in my town, my city. Um, and you name all the chaos that's gone on and on. And it was supported really directly and indirectly by the left. How in the world does that not continue to tick off? I mean, just simply, you know, those people out there who have been through hell for months and have had so little support except largely from President Trump and a handful of Republicans. I just think it's it's, it's unreal that anybody would think that those people are just going to say, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, our, our, our business is burned down. And, and in some cases, insurance won't even cover it. And yet the city is still demanding. I mean, one gentleman in, in Minneapolis that, the, that they had to, their business burned down and they had to pay for the fence to put around the place to, to keep people out the six-foot fence while the mess was cleaned up a fence that costs thousands of dollars because the city said it was your property when they said, yeah, but your police left. They, they weren't here to protect. You know what I mean? This, 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 this scenario that's painted right now, and it leads me into what I wanted to bring up with you here in the email that you put out, Michael. You talk about preparing for war. And I know we are talking predominantly here, everyone. Please understand this is a spiritual battle, first and foremost. That's what we're talking about. But we're also talking about political battle, legal battle, educational battle, battle for minds and hearts, and so forth and so forth in general. That's what we're getting at here. But, Michael, what are your thoughts about the preparing? Because Father and I, were with the U.S. Grace Force and the things that we're trying to do with the ready Coalition, the Emergency Preparedness Course, we're trying to have actual tangible things that people can do to body, mind, and soul, body, mind, and soul prepare for whatever this is going to look like and what it's looking like right now. But Michael, your thoughts on what you mean and what you think is necessary for all of us to be thinking much more deeply about regarding preparing for these times that are really unfolding like Mach 2 in a crazy and dangerous way.
2: Sure. So preparedness, uh, you, you can prepare for a storm in one of two ways. You can uh, prepare for a storm by uh, battening up your house and fortifying your house and making sure your house is is secure and is not going to be destroyed by the the heavy winds and that kind of thing. And the second way you prepare is making sure that you've got the supplies that you need in order to survive the uh, the in- initial ordeal and then the fallout from it. When it comes to preparing for uncertainty like what's coming, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if this is going to be any kind of uh, shortage of food or if this is going to be a shortage of supplies of some kind or if we're going to, um, you know, we, we don't know what we're going to face. We do know that Because uh, Biden has told us that he's going to do these things. He's going to suppress our free speech. He's going to suppress our free practice of religion. Uh, He's going to suppress uh, anything that has to do with our defense of ourselves as dignified Christians. Um, And because of that, we have to be prepared to suffer. We have to be prepared to suffer, but we also have to be prepared to stand up for what is right and good. Mm-hmm. Uh, that comes from why we call it practicing virtue. You practice virtue just the way you practice a piano or that you uh, practice when you're, you're exercising. And you don't start off with the heavy weights if you've never lifted weights before. You start mm-hmm. off with the little ones and you work your way up. If you've never played piano before, you don't pick up a Chopin, you just pick up a, you know twinkle, twinkle little star and you start from there. So practicing virtue, when it comes to facing what's coming, you start by the mortifications, make sure that you, you know, if you're, if, if we're possibly going to face starvation, well, start fasting fast every day, skip a meal or, uh, don't eat snacks. If you, if you can't go without a meal, you know, whatever it takes, you start little, build yourself up, uh, try to go two meals or, or whatever, as much as you can, um, but it's, it's not just dieting. I mean, if, if you do that without prayer, it's it's just a diet. Right. It, true fasting means you know, withdrawing from food and also uh, praying about it too. If you um, don't have the strength of will to stand up and, uh, and fight against the, the fact that, you know, let's say the bad guys come in and say, hey, uh, we're not going to let you go to church anymore. You're not allowed to go to church. Are you just going to roll over and take it? Or are you going to stand up and say, no, I'm going to church and you're, you can either stop me or, um, or let me go, but get out of the way. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But if you've never confronted somebody before in your entire life, Hmm. well, then you're going to fold at that moment. So, uh, and you know, there are little things that you can do. If Karen in the grocery store gets upset because you're not wearing a mask, well, smile at her and wave and move on. Uh, but those little things that you can do to learn to stand up, to learn to have that force of will with, with good intention, and I, I don't mean just enforcing your will because you want to impose your will, but to impose your will with good intention, to be of good goodwill, uh, to stand up for truth, to stand up for what's right. You start little, you work your way up. You don't become confrontational and start shaking your fist at people, but you you just say no. I'm not going to let you push me over and deny me of my basic rights, including my right to the sacraments. Uh, so you work your way up that way, but it's it's got to be mortification, it's got to be the practice of virtue, and it's got to be penance.
1: Michael, what's going on? I mean, what 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 is? What's the force behind all of this that we're dealing with right now? I mean, I, you, you shared a quote earlier um, when we were off the air. Of mm. what was it? Uh,
2: Psalm sixty-three.
1: No, uh, the quote from. Oh, that
2: quote! Yeah. Yeah. The the. Okay, uh, the quote came from David Rockefeller at a nineteen ninety-one Bilderberg meeting.
1: Yeah, can you tell us a little bit about B- Bilderberg? I I, I know yeah. quite a bit, but our listeners might. What what what's the deal with Bilderberg?
2: So the Bilderberg meetings were, uh, or are, they continue. Uh, they're a meeting at the Bilderberg hot- Hotel, uh, always held by the, um, the elites of the elites, people, members of the Council on Foreign Relations, members of the Trilateral Commission, uh, wealthy international industrialists. Uh, and they get together and they discuss how they're going to control the world economy, how they're going to impose uh, their designs for what the world should look like. And these meetings are always super ultra secret and there have been conspiracy theories about them for years and years and years. But uh, l- let me just remind your listeners, the word conspiracy, uh, it's just a, it's a compound word, con and spiritus, which means to breathe with, that's it. So a conspirer, somebody who is conspiring, is somebody who is breathing with somebody else, that's all it means, or to be of the same spirit. Um, and if you're so, of the same spirit, you have this idea that you were working towards a common goal. That's it.
0: So I'm I'm gonna interject real quick here on this yeah. one, Michael. Um, because so because the, the whole term conspiracy theory and tinfoil hat and this sort of thing is yeah. going around. And anybody who talks about ah, conspiracy theorists and so forth, you're saying that, because I want to be very clear, because I, I know what you're saying on this, because I, I I've been through this whole conversation with people before. Conspiracy, people conspiring, you can conspire for is it only evil things or good things? Is it just of the same spirit to do something? Or can you can you define that a little bit more clearly?
2: Well, let's let's go back to the 1950s when uh, there was a communist conspiracy in this country. The communist cell networks all over the country that were uh, trying to change the way that the country works. I know this secondhand because my grandparents were helping to expose it in the 1960s. Mm. Um, everybody denied or a lot of people denied that there was a communist conspiracy at all. Uh, Or even you talk about the mafia. A lot of people back in the 1950s denied, denied that the mafia even existed. And suddenly you have all these indictments coming out in the late sixties and early seventies. And gosh, what do you know? There really is a mafia and they really do have influence in business and in politics. And (coughs) there really is kind of a conspiracy there. But it's it, the idea of a conspiracy is just that people are working together for a same agenda. That's it. Um, you can have a conspiracy uh, within a Catholic Church, and and I don't mean that in a negative sense either. Because a conspiracy of Catholics getting together, praying together, being of like mind, uh, and working toward the common good. Uh, it's not necessarily a negative connotation. It just means people getting together, trying to put, to, put together a, a common cause. That's all it means.
0: So the idea of conspiring to do malicious things, as the title below us right now states, the conspiring of the malicious, um, is not far-fetched. So no. we just got to get past this for people who say, oh, conspiracy theory. Throw that out there as if these things never happen. Right. They do. They have. Hitler conspired, Stalin conspired, Mussolini yep. conspired, um, the, you know, the Chinese communist party is constantly conspiring in some way to dominate the world. That's a communist do. This is age old. And and we've got con- cons- conspiracies going on right now to have more of a global domination. And we know this, the great reset, we've talked about it in past episodes. We've had you on talking about it before Klaus Schwab and on down the line, we can go through Justin Trudeau and Prince, Charles, and a whole host of people out there who have all been like-minded of the same spirit regarding whether they want to base it on environmentalism or you know one world currency or whatever they want to call it. They have the same mindset regarding dominating. So all that being said, now back to this thing with Rockefeller and the Bilderbergs and so forth, this is a powerful statement you're about to read to everybody. And I know this because well, because we heard it before the show, but I know that the whole idea of Rockefellers, Bilderbergs, the whole nine yards, this has been going on for a long time. Yep. I mean, roughly, before you read the quote, how far back do we have evidence of Rockefellers, Bilderbergs, and so forth being of this mindset of, of like, a, like a globalist movement?
2: Oh, the 1940s, forties, nineteen fifties. I mean, Alger Hiss, the very first, uh, the 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 architect behind the United Nations, was a co- a known communist. Mm. Every leader of the United Nations has either been a communist or a socialist. So it's um, you know, it, it, it's kind of an open secret there. Yeah. Um, you and know, they don't
0: it, even hide that anymore. There's there's a lot of recorded evidence of them talking yeah. about this from back then.
2: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely goes way back. You know, you you talk about um clandestine conspiracies, but let's talk about one in recent days, something that's very upfront and open that everybody's seeing right now. Mm -hmm. And it's the conspiracy between Google and, um, and Apple, which, huh, they're competitors, but they're working together on this Google, Apple, and Amazon got together. They conspired together to shut down parlor. Why? Because that was a bastion of free speech and they can't have that.
0: Mm. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. And no one can deny that that's what happened because they were very public about it. And oh, it, happened, yeah. it happened very much in sync, almost as if it was on cue. Yep. Um, and, and there you have it. So, okay. So I'm I sorry to delay on this quote. So read this somewhat chilling quote from 1991, correct? Yep. Okay. Yep.
2: So this comes from David Rockefeller at a 1991 Bilderberger meeting. He said, he said, quote, We are grateful to the Washington Post, the New York Times, Time Magazine, and other great publications whose whose directors have attended our meetings and respected their promise of discretion for almost 40 years. It would have been impossible for us to develop our plan for the world if we had been subject to the bright lights of publicity during those years. But the world is now more sophisticated and prepared to march towards a World government, the su- the supranational sovereignty of an intellectual e- elite and world bankers is surely preferable to the national autodetermination practiced in past centuries. Wow.
1: <laughs> that was at Bilderberg.
2: That yep, he said that. that was a Bilderberg meeting in 1991, and David Rockefeller. I mean, the guy was kind of walking evil incarnate. He was probably possessed. Um, if you know anything so in, about
0: them. So in roughly 29 years, from the time that meeting to today, mm-hmm. um, we've seen incredible advances in what he's talking about there. Yeah. But the fact that he makes very clear that we there was a time when we couldn't do this so openly. We just couldn't. But now, by 91, we're in a position where we can now. And now we've got someone like Klaus Schwab, Prince Charles, Justin Trudeau, who have on record said, and I've put this in some of my YouTube videos, we've talked about it on this show, they have said that this virus situation is a golden opportunity, quote unquote, from Prince Charles, I believe, to help people prepare for other changes. Klaus Schwab says that too. This is a great opportunity to help get people ready to accept other changes that are coming. They have not not even been quiet about this. In fact, I got a book here, starting to read written by klaus schwab hmm. right there and the fact that he even writes about this i don't want to say the name because the algorithms right but the fact that he even writes about it and he says in there um that we have to admit that this virus really isn't even that serious of a situation he says that in the book so this i mean so michael okay here we're sitting here now this is a war. It's a war against free speech. It's a war against freedom of worship. I mean, the ability to go to church, and I like what you said there. You know, we have got to be willing to stand up and say, look, you're not going to shut me away out, out of the sacraments. I have the right to the sacraments. I have the right to defend myself under the Second Amendment. I have the right to protect my family if someone invades my home. I have the right to, to, to worship openly. I have I have these rights, and I look at it this way. Father, you and I were talking several times earlier today getting ready for this, this recording. And, you know, this struck me after one of our conversations. It's kind of like cancer. When do you want to fight cancer? Stage one, when the doctor diagnoses, yeah, we, we're seeing traces of it here. Or do you want to have to fight it at stage four, when when the doctor says, you don't got much time left? I mean, right. we're, we're already in, the, I think we're past stage one in America, stage one, stage two, maybe stage three. But look, if we don't stand up now. Michael, where do you think this goes? If we haven't put our foot down and stand, if we don't stand firm now on these things, even though we're going to take the shots, I like what you said in there, we're going to have to suffer. We're going to have to suffer, but we also need to train up. Uh, where do you think this goes? In, in what stage maybe? I mean, you give me an estimate where you think we are stage one, two, three. Where do you think we are?
2: Oh, we're in stage four. It's clear. Um, I mean, what was it a year ago? You you brought up Klaus Schwab and and the yeah. uh, the Great Reset and all those you know interesting people, and what was it <laughs> nice that they said? They, uh, they said Donald Trump is in the way. Mm, yeah. It was uh it, it was um George Soros who held a an emergency session, uh, right after Trump gave uh, his speech, saying we will never kowtow out a socialism, and. He held a, a ver- an emergency session, and he, and, and he said, we have got to make sure that Donald Trump does not win re-election. And then you have, um, uh, what's his name? Um, the guy in the Vatican. Uh, Jeffrey Sachs. Jeffrey Sachs. Yep. So Jeffrey Sachs was in the Vatican, and what did he say? He started talking at the Vatican in, in a, what was it, the, um, uh, the Pontifical Academy for Social Sciences, and he said he called Donald Trump a problem, said he was dangerous, that America is dangerous right now because of Trump. Wow. And uh, they've got to make sure that Trump doesn't win in 2020. So, you know, these people telegraphed all their moves. They, they told us exactly what they were gonna do, and then they did it. So we had the opportunity, I think, if we had really understood what was taking place back then to take care of the problem. Uh, But we didn't know what their capabilities were. We didn't know what they were going to do and the underhanded means that they were going to use in order to get it done. And so when they sprung the trap, they are, of course, wringing their hands with glee and delight, thinking Mm -hmm. about how clever they are. Uh, And they, they think they pulled off the greatest heist in American history. Oddly enough, there's a lot of silence right now. And a lot of apprehension about where things stand and where we are and what is going on. There's a lot of false information. Uh, there are a lot of rumors. And I'll tell you what, the the phrase that keeps going through my mind is wars and rumors of wars.
0: Yes, yeah, exactly. I keep
2: thinking about that. And I, I just, you know, I, I, there's no way of knowing which, which way is up. I I put on Facebook. I said, "You ever get that feeling when you're uh, when you're down at the beach and you're playing in the sand in the in the waves, and a great big wave catches you unawares and you get tumbled in the wave and you you get (coughs) spun around, you don't know which way is up, and your trunks get full of sand." That's where we are.
1: <laughs> what do you mean by wars and rumors of wars? Because I don't think we're advocating that we're going to pick up arms and start. Debating.
2: No, 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 no. no? Right. When I say wars and rumors of wars, I mean, we are hearing about wars and rumors regarding battles and fights and, and arrests. And, you know, they're there for crying out loud, there was an unfounded rumor going around that Pope Francis was arrested. Yeah. Um, well, it,
0: I heard, I heard a rumor today that president Trump was dead. I also heard another rumor that the Russians and the Chinese are moving their navies into different locations and the US is putting navies on the coasts. Yep. I mean, you're right. These rumors of, of all this happening, and 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 I'm saying, look, I, you know, father and I always try to be very careful. We don't want to give out any information that can't be right. verified 100 percent You know, but I, I would say to people, when you hear these rumors and, and these, these these scenarios that are being painted, take a deep breath. Don't immediately launch it out there in social media because it can continue to feed you know this this fear that's out there. You know, the one thing that we've started to do and I know father you mentioned earlier we were going to talk a bit about is, you know, father started the US Grace Force and we're like what 76,000 I think isn't it father now? Yeah. Yeah, which is an amazing number of people who are dedicated to prayer and training up. You know, and we started the Battle Ready Coalition um you know several months ago and the idea behind the coalition was to get that teamwork a family minded you know men and women of the catholic faith to train body mind and soul and actually michael what you were saying earlier was very much like what we do in the coalition is you work on on what you can for yourself on a daily basis physically spiritually and mentally learn the faith develop a, a good habit of fasting prayer pray that daily rosary Get to the sacrament of confession frequently. Make sure you're faithful to the commandments. Know what the commandments are. Okay. Yeah. Develop a knowledge of the faith to understand the commandments, the beatitudes, the spiritual and corporal works of mercy, and so forth. The basics. So we've been doing this with a coalition. We've got a good group of people. It's an online monthly thing that we
1: do. And before you know, Father, we get into that, can I can can I say go, something? Yes, I'm yes, gonna, go. You bet. Yeah, because I think we got to fill all this out first. Yeah. Uh, and and here's what I want to say. This is, this is my 30,000 uh, uh, foot view of, of everything that's gone on in the last four years. I think what, what the Bilderbergs, these elites, the, the ruling class, right? I mean, I think they wanted to be in charge. And so what did they do? They, in their decision, they trumped up what they felt was a weak candidate to go against Hillary Clinton. And, and they felt that even if he wins, he's one of us. I mean, he's a wealthy elitist. So we win either way, is what they thought. What they didn't plan on happening is that Trump went out of that New York bubble and met us, met met the working class, met the devout Christians, met those who, who strive to live moral and ethical and principled lives, Filled with virtue, he met us, and it, it changed him. I, I I keep saying this guy is being redeemed before our eyes. I think he's going to become Catholic, but 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 what happened was is he starts his presidency out and presidency out, and signals that this is the change that's happened to him, where he become a, a real and present danger to the ruling class to those who are gathering at the Bilderbergs and, and, and want to rule the world. This isn't conspiracy theory when we talk about this. This is absolute fact. And so he became a threat to them. And he started, he, it turns out out of the 17 Republican candidates, he was the only one that ended up being the wrecking ball to the ruling class. So what did they have to do? They had to develop a Russian collusion Narrative. Then they had to do impeachment, and then this 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 uh, uh, election year, you know, they had to manipulate a virus so that the economy weakens and crashes. And you know, I, again, I'm not den- denying that there's a virus. Uh, I'm beginning to lean toward the fact w- w- fact that whether this virus came at a very convenient time. Okay, and you know what was that? Was there something to that as well? See, you're talking about the ruling class of the world, mm-hmm. and you're talking about a guy who is a direct threat to that, and really was was toppling at, at, at some, and they were panicked. This guy is a direct threat, and not only that, but he has an army behind him of support. So, so here he is, and, I, and again, everybody. Everybody would frame this. Oh, you think he's Jesus Christ, the Pope? No, I think he's Constantine. Uh, that that he's a strong ruler that allowed Christians to flourish under his leadership. Okay, like Constantine, uh, but he was such a threat. Then they had to incite people to get out in the streets and riot. Okay, and why? Because we needed this depressed economy this depressed spirit in america okay and i don't think i'm wrong about any of this Mm. and now here we are we come to the election and it looks like everything they tried still wasn't working and i think they manipulate those machines i but they did a, a lot of stuff to to make sure he he did not go another four years because it would have been to their demise uh, but they but and so here we are and now this this uh, surge on the Capitol, which I believe was incited by these, yep. you know, professional insurrectionists or whatever you call them, uh, who gave their Braveheart speech and got everybody riled up, and they went into the Capitol and, like you said, Doug, they broke some windows. They didn't tear, They didn't burn someone's business down. But they have a card now that they can use, mm-hmm. because now yeah. Trump needs to be impeached. We are a mob, uh, and 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 th- they want to come after everybody that's associated with with Trump. Now people living in their homes are afraid they're going to lose their jobs because yeah. they once associated with Trump. This is where we're at right now. But but what I'm saying, what I'm painting here is this is the force that we're dealing with, okay? And it's a powerful force. Now you've got uh, January 6th that happened. And what do you have? You've got all these Bilderberg elites, okay? That felt now's our time and they can start pushing the buttons, okay? So you're talking about uh, Amazon and, and Google and uh, uh, Facebook and Twitter, all of them. You know, we, we're free to do it because we're in charge right now. This is one of the biggest, Goliaths, if not the biggest, in all of human history. This is an historical moment that might be uh, greater than any time in all of human history right now.
0: Well, it, so yeah, I want to I,
1: frame I, that that way. And then I want to say, what the heck can we do? Yeah. Okay. Except if we do it like David did. And say, what is with you people? Okay, it's a Goliath. It's huge. But we have the power of God on our side. Okay? We have the power of God. And in this little snot-nosed teenager, you know, with a little tiny stone, takes down this powerful force because he believed in the power of God. And David went on to, uh, to engage many, many wars, attacks against him, always outnumbered, always won, because he believed in the power of God. So we need to get trained up, okay? And uh, I, I wanted to take this time right now, Doug. What you have devoted yourself to is absolutely amazing, and I'm I'm watching this develop, and it's just uh, unbelievable. Uh, the Battle Ready Coalition. We need to train them again. I was thinking. I'm thinking of World War II breaks out, Pearl Harbor, right? And they and they run to the enlistment stations, but they had to hurry and train up an army like, like this. That's where right. I believe we're at right now. It's, 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 uh, January 8th or June 8th, uh, uh 1940, uh, one, June 6th, 1944. Yeah. But I'm saying it's June, June 6, 7th. 1941. Yeah. I'm saying
0: it's June 7th. Now. Oh, no, no. Wait, you're talking about Pearl Harbor or the ba- the invasion? Pearl Harbor. December
1: 7th, 41. Yeah. So I'm talking about December 8th. Okay. I'm sorry, I'm a roll here. I use I know those dates <laughs> like that, but not right now. But anyways, I'm saying it's December eighth right now. In other words, it's the right. day after Pearl. Day Harbor.
0: after Pearl Harbor, right? December. That's where
1: we're at right now, yeah. and we need to run to the enlistment stations. We need to train up. And again, Doug, what you've been doing, and and I I just beg our our uh, Grace Force and anyone else. To get in the part, we gotta hurry up and train up this battle ready coalition. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, Doug? What that's all about? Yeah, the coalition,
0: yeah. It's a monthly, it's a monthly membership. There's no no there's no contract to it. So you want to sign up one month and quit the next, that's entirely up to you. Uh, it's a twenty-four dollar a month deal. You're gonna get a video lesson. Nothing. No, it isn't. You get a video lesson, a manual. I mean, that's several expensive coffees in a month. Okay, it's yeah. one way to look at it, or several Happy yeah. Meals. Um, but you're going to get a video lesson, a manual goes with it, um, several live interactions that we do. Um, we, we do bonus footage. We pray the chapel Unbelievable. together. Unbelievable, we poured into this. Yeah, there's a lot that goes. There's a number of people behind the scenes that are working regularly. We respond to everybody's emails best we can. We're trying to constantly raise the bar tweak the presentations. We have guests in there. We just got done with uh, Jesse Romero as a guest on how to deal with spiritual combat, spiritual enemy. Uh, and so these are very well produced videos. We've got a professional videographer behind it, professional writers who are working on this as well behind the scenes. So it's a monthly membership the family of this, this is the number one comment we hear from people is they feel like they've got support system, accountability system, right. They communicate with each other regularly. It is a phenomenal thing. We got people from Ireland, the UK, Australia, India, Canada, all over the US, and they regularly chime in. And it's just amazing. We, we communicate with them on a weekly basis through live events. Uh, it's been fantastic. But we also put together the Battle Ready Emergency Preparedness course. You know, when you were talking, Michael, about on a natural level, the need for us to have extra food, extra water, means for power, for heat. Yeah, a lot
1: of people are it's, talking about three days of darkness with all the-, the golf- Oh yeah. So well, the right now.
0: and right now, as we record this, there's all kinds of rumor that we're gonna have disruption in food supply. We're gonna yeah. have, there have been some power outages in some parts of the world lately. Um, there's warnings of that happening in other places, possibly by China, North Korea, whoever. Whether it's all true or not, at the very least, if you've got a natural disaster, uh, which right. does happen regularly, you right. got to be ready. So the preparedness course is a separate issue from the coalition. So the coalition, BRC, Bowery Coalition, is a monthly training. The emergency preparedness course is a one-time buy, and that has four hours almost of video. It has 11 or 12 manuals in there. You work at all these things at your own pace. It's not overwhelming And I'll tell you what, guys, it's a simple nuts and bolts thing. You know, Father, you mentioned um, Valerie, uh, you mentioned uh, David and Goliath. And I love this. I've been putting out a few times now on my Facebook page, you and I were talking about this, Father, and I grabbed this idea, David up.
1: David David up.
0: And the point is, this young teenage boy, ruddy and handsome to behold, and this youth comes out, and Goliath... Six cubits in a span translates to roughly nine foot, nine inches. This guy's huge. His breastplate alone, the Goliath wore, was 90 pounds approximately. If anybody's ever worn body armor, um, you know, I've got body armor. You know, it's a military type stuff. You know, you got a plate in the front and the back, plate carrier and sometimes side plates. That thing can weigh, you know, 15, 15 to 20 pounds. This guy had a 90-pound breastplate on. He had a bronze helmet. And his javelin had a head on the javelin that was a roughly fifteen pounds. Okay, so here's your here's your your setup against David. Yeah. But what David says to Saul is kind of what we draw from when we do the battle ready coalition. And I think Michael, it fits well with what you said in the, in the in the excellent email you sent out. Is the training and you talk about Maccabees and all is that it's kind of I call it a faith and reason moment for David. He steps in saying very clearly. God will give me the strength to do this. But because of what he says to Saul prior to that, when Saul says, how can you, a boy, fight this man who's battle-hardened, he's, he's, he's big, He's you're going to get killed out there. Right. And he says, look, when the lions and bears come at my flock, I chase them down, right. pull the prey from their mouth, and I kill them. If they come at Amen. me... I grab them by the throat and kill them with my hands. I will do the same to this uncircumcised Philistine. Very nice. David is not shy about That's this. Great. But he's talking about trusting God, number one, but then using the skill that God gave him that he developed. He trained yeah. in it. David trained. He knew how to handle the sling trained. and the stone. Right. And when he fires off that stone and it embeds in the brow of Goliath, and Goliath hits the ground dead, he runs on him, pulls out Goliath's sword, cuts his head off, holds it up and says, who's next? By the way, (laughs) right before that, when Goliath says, I'm going to spread your flesh for the birds and the beasts of the land, he says, no, no, I'm going to do it to you and the whole Philistine army. So David (laughs) ramps it up. So number one, David's got some attitude that we all like to have. Yeah. But he says clearly He might have
1: tweeted that, huh?
0: He might have tweeted something like that.
2: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or if he was a priest and he preached it, maybe there was a little oh, tone, but tone. in there. The tone Manor. and manner. <laughs> yeah. That's not very ecumenical of him.
0: No, it isn't. No. It sounds oh. a little a little uh, I don't know, aggressive. If you right.
1: be a little bit more welcoming there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, he, exactly. But he unpolished. makes
0: But he makes it clear, and this guys, this is what I really like, is he makes it clear that he's doing this because God gives him the strength and he does not accept on his watch that Goliath and the Philistines will mock God's army. This is the army, the uh, the Israelite army is the army of God. You will not mock God's army. Not going to be done on my watch. And he steps up and he engages. And the great thing about this I love is that when he's done with this, he carries the head with them when he goes to see Saul. <laughs> you know, and and what does God say about David? He said, "This is this man is a man after my own heart." Right. You know, he's the only character in Scripture that God says that about, and David is what? He's a warrior with attitude.
1: Right. Even the second person of the Holy Trinity is referred to Jesus, Son of David. Yes. Yeah. I mean, because they want to point to that. They want to point that we all need to David up, you know? know, Speaking of David. We got the power of God on ourselves. Exactly. But we got to train our skill
0: that God gave us and then trust in God and do it without fear. Right. Michael, were you going to
2: say? Yeah, I was just saying, speaking of David, you know, we were talking before the show uh, and I brought up Psalm 63. Right. uh, Which gave us the title of the program itself. Uh, Psalm 63, which happened to be lauds for the morning of January the 9th. Wow. And this is what it says. Hear, O God, my prayer when I implore you, from the dread of the enemy, rescue my soul. You have sheltered me from the conspiring of the malicious and the throngs of evildoers. And then I pointed out to you, uh, you you remember that uh, this part reminded me of Nancy Pelosi. For they have whetted their tongues like swords, have bent the bow, a bitter thing, to shoot shoot from their ambush the blameless man. They shoot him suddenly and do not fear, and encourage one another in their wicked plan. They talk of hiding snares. They have said, who shall see them? They have pried deep into evils, nor could they pry too deeply. Deep may a man's heart be, but God shall be exalted. The arrows of children shall be their plague and their tongue shall falter and betray them. All who saw them trembled and every man was afraid. Hmm. Nice. Very apropos, I think, for what we're enduring at this moment. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I will say this, if, if we, if you mentioned, you know, Michael, you think we're at stage four and I would agree with that. I think we're at a stage four moment here with, with the, the absolute need for us to step up. Father, like you said, we need to be training. We need to be yeah. training body, mind, and soul, simple basics at the very least. We, you know, December know
1: 1941.
0: Exactly. December 8th, 1941. In. And you know, when you and I were talking earlier today, Father, we did discuss that how quickly they would have had to put together the training facilities the beds, the, the food, the, the the obstacle courses, you name it. They had to put that together like that yep. because they needed to make these soldiers war ready. Right. We need to be spiritually, emphasizing spiritually, war ready. Now, Spiritual. I will also say as a, as a man, as a husband, father, and I know, Michael, you and I can say this a little, a little more freely than father probably can because we're both husbands and fathers, is we also need to be physically prepared to morally... According to the teachings of the church, in the just way, be ready to legitimately defend. And paragraph 22, 63, 64, 65, we go through this extensively in coalition and the emergency preparedness course, help people understand the church's teaching on this that preparing with food, water, medical shelter, and even self defense is morally an obligation for us, especially to those that God has entrusted to our care. I mean, Michael, you and I would be lousy husbands and fathers if we didn't make sure that our wives, our children had a good roof over their head, you know, had the basic necessities taken care of. And if someone were to kick in the door any time of the day or night, we would be the first ones to engage and protect and defend our loved ones morally and justly based on what the church teaches and what God tells us. But these are things that we as Christians, as Catholics, we have got to stop Cowering, and we've got to stop becoming soft
2: no, when it if comes we failed to spiritually to, and physically dealing with this. If yep. we failed to provide for our families, we would be Karl Marx. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Remember he starved his own children to death yes. because he refused to work. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So you know, it's time for us to train up. It's time for us to David up, David up, Amen. train up, David up. I mean, what's with you people? We yeah. got the power of God on our side.
0: Father, yeah. I, sense a, I sense a new T-shirt coming out. Train up. Uh, yeah, we got to do that.
1: Dave it up, baby. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. And by God, the way, people, we got a new T-shirt we did just put out. You know, yes. rebellion to tyrants is obedience to God. So please get well, out there and take a look that. at that T-shirt.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that was actually on the presidential proclamation that Donald Trump put out uh, honoring uh, St. Thomas Beckett. Yeah. And And he's quoting Ben Franklin there. My
2: wife got me a t-shirt for Father's Day. It looks like the seal of Virginia, except instead of uh, Liberty standing on the tyrant with the motto, Six Semper Tyrannus, it's Our Lady of the Immaculate Conception, the Miraculous Medal Lady, and Six Semper Tyrannus. Nice. Awesome.
1: Awesome. Nice. All right. I think think we're out of time. Yep. Uh, Michael, this was awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Michael. Uh, Thanks for having me on. Yeah, everybody. You know, Michael laid out the the Goliath we're dealing with, and we need to train up and David up. Yeah. All right. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle in them the fire of your love. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Michael.
2: God bless you, gentlemen. Thank you for having me on.